you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. And now, Move the Sticks, 10 takeaways from week 16 with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Six, presented by AARP. DJ, Bucky, Rhett, back with you. A little takeaway podcast, boys. A couple days before Christmas. Yes, it is. So before we get to the takeaways, Buck, I need to ask you, are you done with your shopping, my friend? No. Not at all. I normally don't get started until Christmas Eve. So Come on. I'm right on I'm right on track. I kinda like to deal with the madness and the chaos of it all. So I still got another day. I got another twenty four hours to make sure I get everything done. I'll get it done. Yeah, I mean, like we're basically sending out New right. Year's New Year's cards for Christmas. So we we were behind in the Christmas card game. <laughs> so everything is just kind of falling a, a few steps behind here. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a little delayed. I'll say that. First year of my life, I finished uh, getting my Christmas shopping done. I mean, this is like three weeks ago, boys. I mean, I three I weeks ago, myself. I've got all this time on my hands. Yes, I yes. knew you were a big Black Friday. I found guy. myself on a little trip. I was with, I would know, I was with my daughter on a little college visit, and we had a little time before our flight, before we were going to come home. And I said, let's hit them all. Hit them all in the middle of the day. There was nobody there. Bing, bang, boom, done. Look at you. Just, just that Man, easy. Just that, that easy. 
God. Head of the curve, boys. Hashtag goals right there. All right, so we got 10 takeaways. The 11th takeaway is you guys have a lot of shopping left to do. Uh, But I'll start us off with our our first takeaway here, and that's the game I attended. And uh, the big takeaway there, hey, somehow, some way, the the, – I got to say this right, the Oakland Raiders, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders, are still alive. Can take this opening drive in the second half into the end zone. Washington's in. Fresh back. Touch. Hits. End zone. Touchdown, Raiders. Opening drive. Third quarter. Staying alive. That's the theme today. And the Raiders are staying alive. So far, all four of the things that had to happen today happened. And now the Raiders win this. And they'll go to Denver with a chance to be the sixth seed in the AFC. Wow. Oh, there you go. Brent Musburger, he said it best there, staying alive. By the way, I got a chance to meet Brent Musburger for the first time. Mm. What a uh, nice gentleman. So that was kind of cool up there in the in the press box. Had him on our, uh, our pregame show there. But, guys, this game to me was line of scrimmage game, and the Raiders controlled the line of scrimmage. They were able to run the ball a little bit. The Chargers could not get any run game established whatsoever. And the Chargers decided they were going to play a lot of soft zone, and and that was Christmas camp come early for Derek Carr because he took one check down after another and moved the ball right down the field. Um, you look at his numbers, long drives, twenty six huh? of thirty, and I mean, the, the, yeah, long drives, just six yards at a time. I mean, just taking those little spot routes, flat routes, just one after another, after another, after another, and they rack up some yards after catch, and um, and that was pretty much it. The Chargers could not get anything going offensively. Uh, but Cleland Farrell, um, he has one sack against the rest of the league this year. He's got three and a half against the Chargers. Game, <laughs> so he enjoys uh, playing the Bolts. You know, DJ, it's funny. You talked about the, the ding and dunk game that Derek Carr was excelling in. Um, when you look at the Raiders offense under John Gruden, this is actually how he wants to play. Um, even though there's kind of this uh, reputation that kind of precedes him about being like this high-powered offensive mind, he is really a guy that wants to run the ball. He wants to have an efficient passing game, and he wants to control the ball to retain possession and just kind of wear you out over time. I felt like this was the kind of game that embodied who he wants the Raiders to be this year and going forward. So you were talking about the four things, or Musburger was talking about the four things that needed to happen. In addition to the Raiders winning over the Chargers, they needed Tennessee to lose, check. They needed Pittsburgh to lose to the Jets, check. They needed Cleveland to lose to the Ravens, check. They needed Jacksonville to lose to Atlanta, check, 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 check. Now there's still a few (laughs) things that need to happen. Let's just, for the sake of being thorough, run through that. Tennessee has to lose to Houston in Week 17. Is that going to happen? Maybe. Okay, maybe. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Pittsburgh needs to lose to Baltimore. Oh, that could happen. RG3 quarterback? And RG3. Right, okay. It could happen. Indianapolis. Baltimore will still beat them. Okay. Indianapolis needs to beat Jacksonville. Based on the way the two teams played in week 16, you'd say, yeah, Yeah. give give the Colts that one. Uh, Okay, Oakland then needs to win in Denver. That's no given either. Denver's defense has been playing well. And then, because of strength of victory, one of the following four things need to happen. Either the the Lions need to beat the Packers or tie them. That's not going to happen. The Bears need to beat the Vikings or tie them. Mm, That's tough. Tough. 
the Patriot the Patriots need to beat the Dolphins in Foxborough. Oh, it does happen. We'll put that or tie the. Why do you is. lead with that? Uh, well, well you, I just wanted to add. I want to add the drama. I mean, that's a, I that's add a the drama. That's, that's easy. As you said, the New England Patriots <laughs> right. put them on the. Also, the Chargers could beat or tie the the Chiefs if you want, DJ. If you wanted to lead with that one too. Chiefs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So well, look, I don't it'd think, be look, pretty cool. The but Chiefs are rolling right now. I don't see that happening. All of that is very doable for the Raiders. Which is kind of fun heading into week 17. Very yeah. doable, man. Maybe she can pull out my old Raiders t-shirt and pencil them into the playoffs. Come on, let's go, Buck. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. All right. Uh, it was funny. Yeah, that's great. It was uh, It was a fun – it was uh, – Fun to visit with Mayock, by the way, before the game, and then uh, you know see him at halftime. Change some texts after the ball game, though, and he said, like, I think the he was like somehow, some way, still alive. There you go, uh, still ticking, live to see another day here. So you gotta love it. Uh, good for them. All right, let's uh, get to the next takeaway. What do you got, Buck? The Patriots. There they are. Reveal their playoff identity. Fourth and goal from the 15. The blitz is coming. Allen running for his life. Wolfs it toward the back of the end zone. A man there, and it's knocked down. Incomplete. J.C. Jackson breaks it up in the corner of the end zone, knocking it away from Cole Beasley. And that should be enough to give the New England Patriots their 11th straight AFC East title. Man, the Patriots just continue to amaze me the way they kind of changed their identity, uh, particularly at the end of the year going into the postseason. Uh, they figured out that they need to run the ball. Sonny Michelle was the major factor in this game against Buffalo. You see him almost have 100 yards. You see him get 20-plus carries. You see Rex Burkhead come in and chip in a little bit. And then in the passing game, it's either spread and shred with Tom Brady where he spreads them out, empty formation, the ball comes out quick, or – they play action, and they take shots down the field. This is how the Patriots did it a year ago, and it helped them win a Super Bowl. It's the way they're going to do it this postseason because they know their defense and their special teams will set them up for scoring opportunities. They just know they need their offense to get to 24. They get to 24 points. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to beat them in the postseason. Yeah, boys, I look at it. I put together a little, a little checklist here for the Patriots to win games in the postseason with their current roster and the way they play. Uh, here we go. New England have a run game, as Bucky mentioned. Uh, efficient and quick game. Sprinkle in a trick play. That's coming at some point in time. They're going to win the turnover battle uh, because they're going to protect it. They're going to try and take it away. And then they're going to have one impact special teams play. Now, that might be a block kick. Um, it could be a long return. But just one impact play on special teams. And that's a checklist, that, man, and they're pretty good about it, man. When they know their formula and how they need to do it, uh, they're pretty efficient at getting that done. It's not easy on the eyes, Rhett, but uh, yeah. they still have a formula they could uh, march right back to the Super Bowl. Look, there's still not a ton of trust from Brady, it would seem, outside of Edelman and the running backs, but he's probably, I mean, it's, it's for good reason. It's probably their, their best yeah. way, their best path to victory on offense. Uh, I was watching uh, our guy Mike Giardi. He was taking a look at the game and, you know, it kind of to Bucky's points in, you know, Tom didn't throw the ball down the field more than 20 yards in this game. But the efficient short pass game, the run game commitment, the big plays on defense. I mean, if we had seen this type of game from the Patriots, let's say from week 10 to week 16, which mm -hmm. we really didn't. I mean, would there be as much doubt as there had been 
about the Patriots in the re- in recent weeks? Or does this not feel like the last four t- Super Bowl teams that they've lined up with? Yeah, I mean, it, to me, I think this is exactly it. And I think yeah. one thing that was interesting to notice, um, the commitment that you saw on the outside with the wide receivers in the blocking game. You saw a couple of times uh, Nikhil Harry get into it with Tredavious White. And to me, it kind of signified that, okay, the Patriots are beginning to get their, their postseason game face on the intensity, the way they finish, the annoyance that you saw on the outside. This is how the Patriots do it. And so I'm a little worried if I'm the rest of the AFC. The Patriots will have a bye, and they will only need two games to get to the Super Bowl. In that scenario, it is it's hard to envision them being put out before they get to the final game. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. This is a team that I know with all their experience, especially the head coach and the quarterback, I don't think anybody's too excited to play against them. All right, Rhett, what's, no. the, uh, what's the number three takeaway? Well, the young quarterbacks are going to make the next decade of NFC East football exciting. Third and goal at the three. Jones with a shotgun, Barkley to his right. He calls out signals, takes the snap, he's back to throw. Fires one right, touchdown Giants! Peyton Smith, and they win it in overtime! Second touchdown catch for Smith. Jones' fifth touchdown pass of the ball game, and the Giants win it in overtime, 41-35. So, look, let's leave Dak and Carson out of it here for just a minute and focus in on that Giants and Redskins game, which not a ton of people did on a Week 16 Sunday with nothing (laughs) on the line. But let's talk about Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones. The future was on display here. And with Daniel Jones in New York, it, it's bright, man. I mean, he got kid through five touchdowns. And it's clear that he's a better player and the Giants are a better team when Saquon Barkley is rolling and when the offensive mm. staff commits to getting Saquon Barkley rolling and continuing uh, to keep him going. Um, it, it's really amazing to see what that team can do on offense. Now, I get it. Nobody was really playing a whole lot of defense in this game. Uh, had it pinned for one of the highest scoring games of the day before we even started on, on as we were doing game day live yesterday and didn't let us down. But uh, on the other side, how much do you love the steady improvement, even if it's been a little methodical from Dwayne Haskins since he took over as a starter? Look, it wasn't pretty early, but we got to give the kid some credit. He stood in there and made some throws, and he's also showcased a little bit at, from time to time of some pocket mobility and some pocket awareness there. Um, and it, look, it's just another piece of the process here. Um, and and then from Daniel Jones as well, he started hot, hit a rut, and now he's kind of worked himself out of that um, as he's returned from injury. And so what this is is another piece of evidence towards the thought process of play your young quarterback because his best learning opportunities come on the field in real game situations than they do by sitting on the sidelines and learning. I feel like that's what these two guys are telling us here. And uh, there's, I think there's just a ton to build on with each of these guys. And I was going to say, let's go ahead and throw in the fact that you've got two top 10 quarterbacks already in the division with less than four years of experience in Dak Prescott and Carson <laughs> Wentz. And there's no way we're going to see a seven-loss team win this division in the future. But the Cowboys and the Eagles can't figure it out with Dak and Carson mm-hmm. and you know, there's a good chance that these teams beat up on each other a lot in the future as well. But at least we're going to have some fun watching these games. Well, I look at it, Rhett, and, you know, the funny thing is offensively, you look at the Redskins, it's the Ohio State connection, right? You've got Haskins to McLaurin, the two exciting rookies. They know each other very well. 
but man, they've got they've got to fix the defense. And good thing for them, you get some offensive production out of your young quarterback. You got some excitement there. You still lose the game, which is even better because <laughs> you can go grab their teammate Chase Young with the second overall pick and, and let him be kind of the focal point to try and fix this defense. Uh, Buck, this is a defense littered with Alabama players. Uh, they're getting ready to go get a Buckeye here. I can promise you that. Yeah, I think you have to build this defense up, but. To, to Red's point about the quarterback play in the NFC East, you have to be excited about it. Uh, if I'm a Giants official, I have to be excited about the prospect of pairing Saquon Barkley with Daniel Jones for the long term. Now, fix the offensive line, add some more weapons on the outside, this offense can pop. Uh, the deciding factor for all of these teams going forward, who can build the better defense? Who can build the best defense in the division? That is ultimately going to be the team that kind of lords over the division. But for the young quarterbacks, excited about them all. They've all have shown kind of flashes Definitely. of brilliance. Um, Haskins and Jones have been su- surprising, probably surprisingly impressive. Yeah. And I think you have to feel good about both of their prospects of being really good players going forward. No doubt. Uh, what do you got next, Buck? Carson Wentz is a magician. Wentz calling for the football. Wentz comes back, goes to Sanders. He's ahead. He's free. 50, 40, 30, 20. And he slides down at the 20, and this game is over. 42 seconds left, but this game is over as Miles Sanders breaks it and slides down at the 20. 48-yard run. Yep, they can start the buses. DJ Ray, we, we've talked about this repeatedly on Path to the Draft and other shows where a franchise quarterback taken in the top five is supposed to pr- pull rabbits out of hats. What Carson Wentz did against the Dallas Cowboys, he pulled a couple of rabbits out of the hat because he was forced to play with one wide receiver, a bunch of practice squad guys, the number two tight end, and a rookie running back at Miles Sanders. And he was able to move this offense up and down the field in an efficient manner. And so people have taken shots at him. People have said, like, hey, we don't know. This is the biggest game. I think in that environment, on that stage, kind of dealing with what he was dealing with, I think now more than ever, if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, I feel great about my franchise quarterback because he delivered, and he delivered in a magical way. Here's my analogy here, guys. Uh, when you have a young quarterback, Buck, we've talked about this for a long time. Um, you know, having a young quarterback surrounding him with some veterans. You know, you have a Alshon yeah. Jeffrey. You have some veteran guys around him. That is that can serve as like the training wheels. And what do training wheels do? They keep you from falling over, and they help you kind of get started and, and kind of start that path. But eventually, if you want that bike to go at optimum speed. I think you take the training wheels off. And I think what we've seen here is when you get rid of, you know, some of the, due to injury, a lot of these veteran voices are all gone. There's no Alshon Jeffrey in his ear. You know, Nelson Aguilar, you know, Deshaun Jackson. This is just a bunch of young kids. So what does that mean? That means I'm Carson Wentz. I just worry about who's open. Mm-hmm. I don't have anybody in my ear telling me where I need to try and focus the ball. The trust shifts from being on the players around him to being in him. And I think we've seen it with Russell Wilson. Look at how they they, they kind of changed over that roster. No more Sean Lynch. All those veteran guys. They started from scratch. And then all these young... Well, yeah, <laughs> apparently maybe coming back. Uh, but, but at this yeah. point in time... Russell Wilson had a chance to grow. He became that guy with a bunch of young guys, and you saw him just kind of take that next leap. I think we're seeing that right before our eyes with Carson Wentz, and that's why I think this offseason, 
out with the old, in with the new. Yeah. Get young, speed, talent around him, and let Carson Wentz really be the captain of this ship. Sounds like that might be a complete uh, overhaul at the wide receiver spot. But there's a good article in the Philly Inquirer talking about Carson's interactions with his teammates. And that, after all of the reports, suggesting that some of those interactions weren't always positive and that some teammates, some voices inside that locker room weren't always pleased with how hard Carson went about his business. But there were quotes in there from J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, uh, from young players, from veterans like Brandon Brooks as well, talking about observing Carson's interactions with players, not only at the top of the roster, but at the bottom. How he's always treated Greg Ward just like he was an Alshon Jeffrey or an Elson Aguilar or Deshaun Jackson. And this is a guy who's been on and off the roster and the practice squad 16 times since 2017, talking about Greg Ward. Um, how he was part of the crew that went to the 76ers game when Carson invited everybody. Little things like that seem to have taken hold now and have halted some of those kind of questionable narratives that we had begun to see um, and that how those guys on the practice squad um, were part of that whole group that Carson brought down to Houston in the offseason to train because he had made a concerted effort to work on his relationships with his teammates, not just the ones at the top of the roster, but at the bottom. And the last piece of it was on him. And I thought this quote from Malcolm Jenkins uh, was pretty important as well. Malcolm said this, I think at this point in the year, he's trusting more guys to make more plays. I don't think he's trying to take it all on himself, which says a lot considering who's out there. And it sure sounds like the franchise quarterback we thought the Philadelphia Eagles were getting when we were projecting him and when we were talking about him after the draft. So uh, I think that's interesting as well. It is interesting, Red. I believe uh, the two most important things in a team in terms of building a championship team, trust and communication. And what Carson Wentz has uh, shown and demonstrated this year He's definitely communicating with those guys. Yeah. And I think it is really early. And DJ knows the stories that we used to hear when after he'd been drafted the next year when they were thinking about going to get guys and he was on the road and throwing to everybody, trying to develop these relationships right. with prospects before they even became Eagles. So, look, what he's doing with practice squad guys, this is very, very comfortable to him. And because the young guys kind of – they may look to him with reverence because he is the franchise quarterback. It's a different standing, one where he kind of earns that respect. Maybe the respect that he wasn't given from those veterans. I think this works out. I think this works out really, really well for the Eagles, not only this year, but going forward. Because when they dismiss all those old guys and the young guys come up, it is a different ball game with Carson Wentz because now they're really locked in and connected. Uh, last thing I'll Look, say, I, I don't yeah. think this team's going to go far. Go right. ahead. I, I, right. I don't think red. I don't think this team's going to be a real threat in the post. I think they had a chance to maybe win a home game. They, they maybe Seattle comes in there, a beat up Seattle team. Um, they get in the postseason. They they get through that first round. But this this is about the future and the development yeah. of Carson Wentz going at, going out into and it's positive. And and it's positive, and that's what's encouraging. On, on the not-so-positive side, we got to hit the Cowboys here briefly. Uh, look, I think among other things, uh, play selection, again, will be something that's going to be talked about in this game. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, again, carries it just 13 times. But Amari Cooper, not on the field uh, for the final, you know, final heave-ho from Dak Prescott, uh, another Another thing, I know, DJ, you didn't you didn't mind the play call there. It just didn't work out for them. But Cooper no. was frustrated with 
I guess you could draw the conclusion as the scheme, considering the way Philly was playing. He had this to say, to be honest, it wasn't anything to do with the chemistry or anything or Dak or the limited practice reps. The way the Eagles DBs were playing the particular routes we were running, for example, on one of the routes, it was a curl. I beat him at the line of scrimmage and he was just sitting there under me when I had to turn around. Obviously, on a curl, you have to stop and he was right there. We could have run more deep routes. I feel like the goal ball was a good route to run tonight, but we didn't really get to it. You know, look, that's that's just where the Cowboys are right now. We're again talking about this, and it's yeah. been a narrative all season long. Yeah, yeah it, it has been a narrative. Well, that's it, another it, whole podcast. I'm mean, yeah, <laughs> all right, you got it. It, it has, uh, but, man, but, man, but man. it's disappointing. I would say this: the culture of the Cowboys is broken, and it needs to be fixed. Yeah, a couple of things: you can't have your star players sitting on the sideline, uh, and some of the choices were them by choice. Yeah. Tapping out, asking to That's come out true. of the game in critical situations, that can't happen. And then in big games, your biggest flaws are exposed. The Cowboys' uh, lack of coaching, their lack of maybe schematic ingenuity showed up. This is a game that the Dallas Cowboys should have absolutely won based on who was available. This is an indictment on the coaching staff and what they didn't get done. Hey, no doubt. All right, let's move on here. Uh, this one is going to be a quick one here. It's a simple one. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals officially on the clock. Play fake to Edwards Elair. Burrow going for all of it. Caught. Touchdown, Jamar Chase. 33 yard touchdown pass for the Tigers. Well, look, it's going to be a decision for them to make. We've talked about it already, but it's going to be a Joe Burrow versus Chase Young. We're going to have all spring to, to yeah. debate that, so I'm not going to do that right now. But I do think it does provide some clarity there at the very top of the board. And the one thing I would just say on Joe Burrow, and we can kind of move on to this yeah. next takeaway here. Well, hold uh, on a the second. The one thing I would yeah. say, uh, no, I, I, I want to just real quick okay. because we've got to catch up. But number one with, with, uh, with Joe Burrow, He's a different personality. If you go back, Carson Palmer, the quarterback of this team for a very long time, Andy Dalton, the quarterback of this team for a very long time, both guys a little more quiet, a little more reserved. Joe Burrow, I think, has got a little more fire in him. Now, not taking anything away from those two quarterbacks who yeah. are two good quarterback. Carson, for a while, was a great quarterback, Pro Bowl quarterback. Uh, but this, is a, this will be a different personality for them uh, at that position. Look, yeah, all right. I, I won't spend a, a ton of time on it, but I think, um, you know, I think the pick at 33 will be just as interesting, uh, really, as as number one because this isn't a, a this is not a terrible roster. I mean, if you just if you if you they're, they're think one that, at 14. I get it. They get healthy. I get it. They got to get healthy. Let. Let's just say it depends on how you feel about Billy Sims and about Michael Jordan uh, up there on the offensive line. But you get Jonah Williams, maybe Cordy Lynn, Glenn comes back. It's not an awful group there. Uh, Mixon at running back. If you re-sign yeah. A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd's a really good number two. And then on defense, Geno Atkins has been as good as they come in the interior. A couple of good cornerbacks there. I know you guys like Jesse Bates coming out. I mean, yeah, like Jesse there, Bates is there, not bad. There are, yeah. some, there are some pieces there. Sam Hubbard's been a nice player for them as well along the uh, the defensive line. You know, it, it could be kind of, this could be a really fun draft, not just at the very top, but throughout for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then I'll say my piece and I'll let... Uh, no, I'll that's, that's, that's fine. I, yeah. I, I'm okay with that. I, I think the bigger thing is you got to make sure that you have the coach in place that can get everything out of that staff. And I think that will be the biggest thing that they have to figure out. Look, he's going to be there for a while because they believe in stability. I just wonder if Zach Taylor can elevate the squad um, without everything being perfect. That remains to be seen. All right. All right I, just, I snuck one uh, draft one in there, Buck. You can get us back on track here. What's <laughs> I'll get us back on track. Uh, the Ravens keep taking care of business. Empty backfield. 
Jackson out of the shotgun. Wants the throw. Blitz pressure coming. Jackson hit. Lobs to the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! Mark Andrews! Ad-lib to perfection from Jackson to Andrews. And the Ravens converts in the final minute of the opening half. This was a big game for the Baltimore Ravens because I, I thought this was a game that was going to test their maturity as title contenders. Um, look, they had reeled off 10 straight prior to this game. They they get in, and they're not playing their best game. Like, they're having a tough time. They're struggling with the Browns. But then at the end of the first half, you saw them kind of pop a little bit. You saw Lamar Jackson make a couple plays. You saw why he is the ultimate dual-threat quarterback in the game. Look, finished with three passing touchdowns. He had 100 yards rushing, 238. And this is just the Lamar Jackson experience. He is a dynamic playmaker. And I think he's one of the – I mean, he may be the main reason why you can't discount them in any game because at any point he can make something happen. And that is just something that the Baltimore Ravens can always hang their hat on. I got a quick one here, DJ, and it's just that the indictment on the Browns, man, in the final 90 seconds of the first half, the game completely flipped. The Ravens scored twice. And the game was essentially over yeah. at that point. You allowed the Ravens to get in and their rushing attack and just crush you in the second half. I know they tried to make a run at it, but uh, this game was over uh, by the time they all ran into the locker room at the break and they came back out and, and, and the Browns really didn't have a shot. The, fan, the interesting thing to me, the Browns are six and nine. That is not a six and nine roster. That, that is at minimum a nine and six roster. You could flip yeah. it around with the talent that they have there. It just has not worked out for them. The two things that stood out to me watching this tape, Lamar's vision as a passer, um, really seeing the full field. And they have um, they have mismatches and they get your eyes. You get your eyes in the wrong spot because they do so much offensively. And then you're going to see guys running free and he finds them. It doesn't matter if he starts on the right side of the field. If they bust on the left side, on the far left side, he's being able to work all the way through his progression, seeing the whole field and he's throwing the ball really well. So those are the things that stood out to me with Lamar. And the other thing is just schematically, Buck, um, I, I've never seen it happens so often where you see big guys blocking little guys because you got to get little guys on the field to match up with the speed and then you end up with Hayden Hurst on the front side blocking Denzel Ward I mean that's why I I tweeted out I said somebody might want to go over to the stadium and see if he's still blocking him because he I mean it's just like and not Denzel Ward's fault I mean he's a 180 Mm -hmm. pound corner he's got a 260 pound tight end uh, I mean, it's it, it's just the matchups they find a way to create in the pass game and the run game. Yeah, I think the best thing that happened to the Baltimore Ravens actually was the Charger game in the play- playoffs a season ago because everyone thought that they could copy what the Chargers did by putting all those little DBs on the field. And what the Baltimore Ravens have discovered is, look, big – versus little is always an advantage at every point. The 12 and 13 personnel packages with two and three tight ends works for them. Then you add in a little option football. Then you add in the most explosive athlete in football plays quarterback. It is just a handful. Um, I wonder how long they can sustain the high level of play because they're going to get a bye week in the postseason. But right now, they're as good as it gets when it comes to being a very, very complete team. All right, I'll get us to our next takeaway here, and uh, that is in regards to the Saints. If this was a sign of things to come for Alvin Kamara, then the other NFC contenders are in a whole lot of trouble. Breeze under center here. He's going to get the snap off. Handoff goes to Kamara off left tackle. And he's through the hole. 25, 20 off to the races. 10, 5, touchdown, Alvin Kamara. 40 yards for Alvin Kamara, and that's the explosive play that we've been missing out of AK. Okay, with respect to Michael Thomas, and we'll get there, who to no one's surprise broke Marvin Harrison's single-season receptions record. He now sits at 145, had a touchdown to boot in that game uh, as well. Congratulations to Mike Thomas. But uh, I need to get to this point here on Kamara because my friends 
back home in New Orleans are irrational Saints fans. Uh, they started comparing Alvin Kamara's career to that of Mario Bates's career, who Ooh. was a second-round draft pick of the Saints back in the mid-'90s out of Arizona Ooh. State. Um, so who, he was first famous, by the way, for having his jaw broken by fellow teammate uh, Lorenzo Neal. He then had one huge game against the Falcons back in 94 <laughs> and was anointed as the uh, second coming um, of, well, I don't know, at that point, Saints hadn't really had a, a great... Maybe George, George Rogers. Rogers. George Rogers, yeah, maybe. Uh, so... And then never really panned out. He was gone in New Orleans after three or four years. So here's the thing. Alvin Kamara hadn't scored a touchdown until yesterday since like September. He scored two yesterday, one of them on a 40-yard run. And we started to see some of that explosion back and some of that commitment to getting him involved in the game plan where he just the, the Saints have been rolling and they hadn't really been counting or relying on Kamara like they had been in the past. I mean, the guy had 14 touchdowns a year ago, just on the ground, 18 total. So to see him only with three this year, you know, at one point is like, whoa, what, what's going on? But now, man, that spells trouble to me for the rest of the NFC playoff field. If cause you know that Michael Thomas is going to get his 10 for 135 and maybe a touchdown. Now you got to deal with Kamara again in the backfield and in those matchup situations that Sean Payton can present. So um, I thought that this was really, really uh, an interesting game for the Saints against the Titans here to find Alvin Kamara's groove. Thankfully, my friends didn't cut him, um, you know, from the Saints uh, earlier in the season <laughs> when they were so frustrated. So, look, that, I thought that's really interesting. You look, I, I do think it's interesting about Alvin Kamara finding his rhythm. I yeah. think he's the look, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees, they are basically the Saints offense and everything kind of springs from them. The fact that he finally put the ball in the paint, I think that bodes well. He has to be a big factor on offense. I think he has to be even bigger in the running game so they can have that balance that they need so they can throw and use the play action part of it that makes Drew Brees very, very dangerous as well. All right, I'll keep it moving here. Let's get to uh, number eight on the takeaway list. Look, I love the three as much as everybody else. I love a good dunk, but sometimes you need a nice mid-range game, and that's what Patrick Mahomes showed he had. Third down and five for the Chiefs at the 12 of the Bears. No score. Big refs to the outside. Mahomes will scramble. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. Touchdown! Kansas City! Patrick Mahomes runs it in from 12 yards, and the Chiefs get a touchdown on their first drive of the game. Yeah, that was a third and five touchdown run for Mahomes and showing again he can make some plays with his legs. We've seen that throughout the year this year. But to me, the, the, the bigger takeaway when you study this game is the Bears put the free safety buck in the parking lot. I mean, he was 40 <laughs> yards down the field. They were they were determined not mm -hmm. to let the ball sail no over deep their balls. heads. So when you watch this game, Buck, they did not have a they didn't have a play over 20 yards. They did not have a completion over 20 yards in this game, which is not something we're accustomed to seeing from the Chiefs. But they forced them. The Bears forced them to see if Mahomes would be patient. And he, there he was. I mean, he was just carving him up in the middle of the field, dig after dig after dig. You know, he had some, you know, 14, 15, 18 yard completions, but he showed some patience. And I thought that was key because. You, you figure out teams trying to say, okay, we're not going to give up those big chunks. Can they be methodical? And I thought that the Chiefs showed in this game, absolutely they can. 
the funny thing, you talk about them being methodical on offense. I think the reason it works is you can be methodical on offense when you're getting great performance and production from your defense. And lost in the Pat Mahomes thing and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill has been a defense that is beginning to really, really come on. Uh, and, and what I like about what Spags is doing with this defense is they are being aggressive, but they're being very, very sound in what they're doing. They're bringing pressure. They're creating turnovers. The last two games, they've held their opponents opponents to three points each. That is something that we're not accustomed to seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs. If they get this kind of defensive effort, this gives them a chance to really be title contenders when they have to think about playing Baltimore and New England to get to the title game. Look, Mahomes counting to 10 as he ran off the field after one of the touchdowns. Oh, you thought that was everything. <laughs> that was everything. To thought me. he was trolling. Yeah. Uh, look, it, th- that's probably exactly how every Bears fan has felt this year, and especially in that game, watching Trubisky and Mahomes. Uh, here's where I don't fault Ryan Pace for the whole Trubisky thing. Trading up from three to two to make sure you get the guy you've identified as your as the guy you want as your starting quarterback, as your future franchise quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. I guess I don't I don't care about the trade if you really felt like Trubisky was going to be that guy it, th- because, you know, I guess having the careers that we've seen from Watson and Mahomes make you go like, oh, gosh, not only did we not get him, but we also traded up to get him. Well, look, if he had turned out to have the career of Watson and Mahomes, we wouldn't be talking about the trade. Yep. But they just identified the wrong guy. I mean, that's 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 what it comes down to. Yeah. Trade be darned right there. And I mean, at least that's where all the evidence has pointed thus far. Um, and it's it's just it's tough but to if watch. You, if, that. You, if you're Patrick Mahomes, though. Yeah. If you're Patrick Mahomes. I, you know, I, I laughed. I thought it was funny. He did the yeah. 10, you know, count the 10 yeah. fingers. Dude, I, I would, you really, you really want to go play anywhere else? I mean, you went, you right, went I get go that. with Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, one of the best offensive lines right. in the league. I mean, in a, in a, in a division that's just kind of so-so. I mean, that, that yeah. was. Well, Collinsworth um, made, made He's just sure having to say fun. that as well. He's having yeah. fun, but. He is, but but oh, DJ, yeah, I didn't see the broadcast. You, you, yeah, but, yeah, but you know how that thing is. That thing is personal. The fact that he has to look across the field and know that Mitchell Trubisky was picked ahead of him. Right. He had to feel some kind of way. He was in his feelings a little bit. He just was kind of showing off a little troll. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. <laughs> I thought it was fun. I, yeah, oh, it was all good. All right, I'll get us to our next takeaway here. What do you got, Rhett? And that is the Seahawks are heading in the wrong direction. Second and seven on the 21 of Seattle, empty set. Shotgun snap. Murray looking over the middle. Still has the ball in the pocket, steps up to run, and then dumps it off at the left second. A catch made by Fitz at the 15, runs left to the 10, to the 5, dives to the end zone. Touchdown! Kyler Murray threw the ball about a foot ahead of him, and Larry Fitzgerald stabbed it and then did the rest with his feet, scoring a touchdown to give the Cardinals the lead. Way to go, Larry Fitzgerald, one of three active players named to the NFL 100 all-time team. But I got to talk about Chandler Jones uh, in this game because mm-hmm. I actually play in a fantasy football league where we still use individual defensive players instead of team defense. Wow, you're and, one of those and, guys. And in the championship game, I'm playing against Chandler Jones. I look up, I see he's got like <laughs> 10 fantasy points in the first quarter. I'm like, what in the world is going on over here? Because I couldn't see that game. And I, I end up looking up at the end. He's got yeah. 25 points, four sacks, six tackles, a forced fumble. Should have had another forced fumble. Um, I, I mean, look, Jamarco Jones, fifth rounder out of Ohio State last year. Tough game, right? Going up against Chandler yeah, Jones. I mean, they, boy, did they miss Dwayne Brown. And look, I know that Chris Carson went out with a hip injury. Uh, CJ Proceis went out with an arm injury. But man, 
you got to figure out something at left tackle right now because that may be the biggest problem, especially now that we've seen maybe Marshawn Lynch coming back into the fold here. That played a big role. And DJ, just to further illustrate it, it hasn't it hasn't just been because Dwayne Brown has been out. Russell Wilson was sacked five times in this game. That's the fourth time that's happened since week 10 Mm. for the Seahawks that he's been sacked five times. So clearly something's been brewing with their pass protection. Well, a lot of that, too. Russ, Russell runs himself into some of those. He ran himself into two or three of those yeah. sacks in that game. So um, some of that falls on him. I, I will say George Fant, they've used six linemen a bunch. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they go back and try and use that. They used it a lot more last year, I believe, uh, in studying them last year. So we'll probably see some more of that. But, Buck, I, I know this is going to be right in your wheelhouse, so I mm-hmm. wanted to tee you up on this. Um, because watching this game, uh, Kenyon Drake, 24 for a buck 66 and two touchdowns. Wow. Um, so just think about this. The Miami Dolphins, they're 4-11, and 11, right, Buck? Mm. Let's say, what if they had a Pro Bowl wide receiver, oh, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, Landry who Ooh. they traded? What if they had a Pro Bowl left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, who they traded? Mm. What if they had a Pro Bowl free safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, who they traded? What if they had Kenyon Drake, who's you know doing what he's doing, averaging about five yards a carry? And Ryan, you know who the highest rated passer is in the National Football League? It's Ryan Tannehill. Uh, so <laughs> the Miami Dolphins, they've collected a lot of picks, but they don't need to draft good players Buck, they've got to draft Pro Bowl players to replace all these guys that they've traded away. Hey, it is funny when you say that, DJ, because everyone is fascinated behind what's behind door number two. But they let a lot of good players go. And, and, I mean, for, for, for whatever reason, uh, it didn't yeah. work for them in Miami. But, look, it, it's not a shortage of uh, good players that they had. I think this thing with Kenyon Drake is really fascinating because with David Johnson um, – it hadn't necessarily popped in this offense, but yeah, what are the Drake, Cardinals going to do now? Kenyon Drake comes in and has becomes a I dominant player, and he's he's a free agent, and now they gonna have they will have to pay him. It will be interesting to see how this plays out. But Kenyon Drake is explosive and dynamite, and I'll say this about Cliff Kingsbury: Cliff Kingsbury has quickly figured out the NFL game because what they're doing on offense is problematic. And he doesn't even have the A-level players that he will have when they begin to acquire guys specifically for a system. No doubt. All right, what's, uh, what's takeaway number 10, Buck? 49ers offense continues to roll. Garoppolo in the gun, Kittle to his left, Raheem Mostert to his right. They twist the front, Garoppolo going to throw a deep shot down the field. Emmanuel Sanders has got it. Here we go. Kyle Nelson will snap it. Wisnowski has it down. Robbie goes. DJ, I think you have to evaluate the 49ers, not when they have their, their A game, but when they have kind of like a B, B-plus game. Because this wasn't a vintage no. San Francisco 49ers offensive performance, but when it mattered, this offense made plays. Jimmy Garoppolo converted a couple of third-long situations that he had no business converting. The long pass that you saw to Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, you're talking about a third and 17. Like, why on earth would he ever yeah. be open on this? Taylor so, Rapp bust. Man, he busted two-man, flew too far to the outside. Emmanuel Sanders hits it deep. But I think if you're the 49ers, you feel good. The fact that you're able to win a game when you don't have your best you don't have your best offensive performance. Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing at an A level, and they're able to win. Makes them dangerous because when they needed it, they got it. And you have to think that Jimmy G can deliver these performances again when it matters in the postseason. 
I, I, I'm still yeah. rolling with the 49ers. I, yeah. I, I like the 49ers in the NFC, Rhett. But yeah. to me, the, just a little cause of concern. Again, give up over 300 yards, Ooh. a couple touchdowns to Jerry Goff. The back end of that defense a little bit, man, That's that scares me a little bit with this 49ers team. But, man, if they can go somehow go on the road to Seattle against a depleted Seahawks team and get that done, they'll be sitting there with the number one seed and everything will go through them. Yeah, I love seeing Jimmy Garoppolo make some big plays at the ends of games here that we've seen in the last uh, the last couple of weeks, especially down in the Saints game. And in this one, the big throw, look, I get Sanders was open. You still got to make the throw. Uh, you still got to find him and hit him. And uh, I, I think that's, that is something that the 49ers would be able to reach back into their pocket in the postseason uh, and pull out or maybe here in week 17 as we've got maybe the biggest game of the season coming down to the final game of the season game 256 which will feature the Niners and Seahawks up in Seattle sign me up twice for that one when you think about building a championship culture what does that entail you know, the culture at Ohio State we built is built on love. Ohio State national champions. The greatest form of motivation is the brotherhood. Little things like trust are huge. I think focus is a great word, and I think you have to find guys that come from programs that require them to focus. It's about making sure they have a great experience and that they win, but it's in that order. Key word is being consistent, caring about the players, caring about not only football, but what's going on in their lives. Clearly define what the mission is and communicating that on a day-to-day basis. Touchdown, Notre Dame. For me, it's making sure that the players understand, number one, that you care. I never felt I coached football. I felt I coached life. This game's not determined by a computer. The game of football is determined by who wants to win. Well, I hope you got you really enjoyed listening to a little taste there mm-hmm. of this episode we're putting together for next week. We've had a chance to talk to so many of the uh, key leaders and coaches around the country, and we've had a chance to talk to them about uh, building a culture, leadership, and we got some fascinating answers during those conversations. Well, we've just we've just taken out the gold. Right, Buck? We found that yes. gold that was in there, and we've put it all together, and that's going to be our episode December 30th uh, next week. You're going to get a chance to, to hear the best of all that, uh, all that we yeah. were able to gather there from those coaches. That was, uh, I think, 1,369 combined wins of the coaches in that, uh, that promo right there. <laughs> that, I mean, that was that? insane. I love it. Uh, can't wait, guys. Wow, that... That is going to be a fun one. So I hope you guys will uh, will check that out next week. In the meantime, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all of you out there. Thank you for, for spending some time with us here on Move the Sticks. Uh, we do appreciate it. Wish you a, a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. That's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to Move the Sticks, presented by AARP. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.